Well, welcome back to the Corporate Pilot Guys podcast. I'm Rob, and this is Tim. I'm Tim. I'm, yes, that is that is correct. <laughs> Wonderful. Welcome back, Tim. What have you been up to? This last week, I was at recurrent training at Flight Safety. Okay. And that was a five-day course. I was down in Texas. So recurrent, what does that mean? It's a review of the systems and general procedures and maneuvers of the airplane okay. you're flying and they tie the systems in with it so basically the first two days were nothing but ground school and sometimes the schedule is a little different where you'll have maybe ground school the first day the second day will be ground and sim okay but we did it this time the first two days eight hours a day were nothing but ground school covering systems and then the end of day two was a written test which was pretty easy if you pay attention you'll you'll pass it it's not hard it's open book and then wednesday thursday and friday we had uh four hour sim sessions each day where one person flies and then you two hours after or you switch sessions mm -hmm. and then the other person flies and you you have left seat and right seat duties so you do two hours of each so it's Each a very, day. would you say it's a very busy time then while you're there? Yes. While you're, while you're at the facility, yes, it's busy. And in the simulator, it's very busy. You think, oh, simulator, that's got to be fun. It's not fun. It, it's very busy. <laughs> Two hours goes by really, really fast. And things break constantly. When you're in the left seat, it's easy because you're just sitting there flying the approach, maybe calling out a checklist if the guy in the right seat doesn't get the checklist you want. Um, but when you're in the right seat, you're loading the FMS, you're loading the approach plate on your iPad, you're running checklists because things break constantly. So yes. you're very busy in the right seat. Left seat's easier. Yeah. Um, in two crew operations, the pilot monitoring is a very, very busy person, especially in an emergency. Yes. And you'd think pilot monitoring, oh, he's just watching what the other guy does. No, that's the busy job. Yeah. The left very, seat's very a busy not busy job. So just so we're clear, recurrent training happens after you've done your initial training. And I would imagine, Tim, that initial training is, you know, much more complex. Yes. And it, so the recurrent training was five days and it changes from airplane to airplane. And with some operators, it can be a little longer, a little shorter, just depending on your training program. Uh, for us, it's five days, but an, an initial on the same airplane when I did it back in 2011, it was three weeks long from start okay. to finish. I think it was 16 or 17 days. And we had two one-day breaks in between. I think we went eight days, had one day off, and then we had another break in there somewhere. But it, it was about 16, is 16 or 17 days. Between yeah, it's, a long, and simulator. it's a long time to be away. That's for it sure. Is. Um, I know some, um, you know, all courses are different, but for example, if you wanted to go on a global, uh, like a Bombardier global, you're talking about a five week course, you're going to be away from home. And during that time, it's a fire hose at your face. It's just constant, constant information coming at you. Um, my recurrence is a little bit different, Tim. Um, ours, we do all online. So 100% of our ground school is online. And almost in the first hour that we get into 
Montreal and we're in our facility there. We write an exam and uh, it's not an easy exam. It's it's quite complicated, but uh, you know, you're prepared for it. You've you've done all your research and, and that kind of thing. And and then on that same day, you're jumping in the simulator within just, you know, maybe an hour later kind of thing. Now you're in for a full, um, you know, four hour session. So it's it's just very, very busy. So recurrent training uh, happens for both Tim and I uh, fairly often. Um, I go once a year. How often do you go? Every six months. Okay. So Tim flying under different uh, FAA, um, what, what would you call that, Tim? It's Part- a- Part 91, but okay. that can change from operators. Part 91 guys can go less often. I'll just leave it at that. But yeah. the company I work for, they still require every six months. And I think that's a good a good way to do it. You get much more than six months. It's, I mean, you know as well as I do, when you go to training, you lose a lot of information from the last time. You, oh, absolutely. You use a certain amount of information all the time. You're good at that stuff. It's the little nitty-gritty systems details that you lose after so much time. And absolutely. I was just going, about, Oh, I was just about going on a, a, a trip with my kids here, um, to go visit at college, actually visit them at college. And, um, I hauled out some cue cards. I'm not sure what you guys call them, but flashcards, flashcards. And they're like, my wife's like, uh Oh, that time again. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So it's preparing myself mentally. And then, you know, I'm looking at some of these numbers. I'm like, what? I don't, I don't, I don't even remember that number. And like, what? I'm getting so old. I can't remember all this stuff, but there's a lot of numbers to remember and a lot of systems. So, I mean, not everybody can keep this in their head constantly. And we get reminded of that by going to recurrent training, how. (laughs) Yeah. And every single time I go, the things, oh yeah, I remember that. It's yes. the same things over and over and over again because it's not systems knowledge that we use on a daily basis. But yeah. there's a lot of that. I mean, these books, they're they're probably three, four, five inches thick. It's hard to know every single thing in that book. I mean, nobody oh, yeah. does. It, you, it's, it's, it's impossible. That's why there's reference materials. That's why there's mechanics. That's why well, there's instructors at simulator facilities to help with that stuff when you go there and they don't know everything there's times i've gone and asked them a situation like oh i don't i don't know the answer to that but there's there's a lot of different scenarios a lot of a lot of things to to know i mean the the airplane's not designed by one person it's designed by probably hundreds of people exactly for us uh, a recurrent is uh 16 hours of ground school Again, that's done all online, and then there's a test that you that you get when you go there, um, and then the flight simulator portion is uh, eight hours, and to compare that to an initial, uh, you, the ground school would be something between sixty six and seventy two hours, and then the initial um, in sim would be sixteen. And uh, there's not a lot of extra time that you that you would get. So you, you need like we've talked about this before with uh, Chris and the airline training. You know, there's only so much time that you can be afforded. So you really need to know your stuff. So that kind of deep dives us a little bit into or, or just kind of glances over the um, uh, what we've been doing and and what I'm about to be doing here real soon in Montreal. The next thing we're going to talk about is written tests. 
And Tim, I know you've done a lot of research on this. Take yeah. it away. A little bit of research. So this will go back to being, being a private pilot. One thing you're going to have to do that is going to be a complete mystery is taking a written test. And when I was a flight instructor, that's one thing that got in the way of somebody completing in a completing their training in a timely manner. It would happen where you would be almost all done with the flight training and then the student had not taken the written test. They just keep putting it off and putting it off. Right. But it's one of those things you just have to do it, get it done and get it over with. And that's something we wanted to talk about was how do you schedule it? Where do you go? Uh, and what are some tips? I guess we'll start with one thing that you can do starting out with flight training. You can get a written test prep software kit. One I've used in the past was by Glime, G-L-E-I-M. They have very good materials. They have a written test prep kit where you basically just have online access. When I started using it, it was a three and a half inch floppy disk that mm -hmm. you popped into your computer. It'd come in the mail, but now you just pay for it online and you have web access to this thing. And there's a test bank on there. So for private pilot, the test bank, I believe, has 600 or 650 questions in it. So when you get this uh, test prep software, you go through all the, all the questions and answers. And the way I always did it that worked well for me was go through all the questions one time. Once you've done that, take 10 practice tests. And mm. each time you do a practice test, the questions you get wrong, answer those again, do another test of the questions that you missed and then do those and just keep doing those until you get them right and then do another practice test and okay. this will take some time but what i would do once i took i would take 10 practice tests before i would actually go take a written and by the time i got the probably from practice test seven to practice test number 10 my score was going to be within four to five percent of what i was getting on the practice test and every single one of them that held true uh, the last one I just did last summer, I kind of got it just to do it, is my instrument ground instructor. I did the written mm -hmm. test for it and did practice tests. I did 10 of them. I was getting anywhere from 88 to 94 on the practice tests, and I got an 88 on the actual written. Okay. So Very that's well the method done. I've used. I've seen some out there that the test prep is a little bit different. How they prepare you it starts off starts out with memorizing the correct answer and you see a question and then you see a correct answer and there's no a b or c it's just only the correct answer right i'm not a big fan of those at all i think you need anybody taking a written test you need to have the knowledge that goes with it like glime that i used and many others they will give the correct answer but they will show how the correct answer was received with uh references so if you're still unclear, you can go look it up. They even have instructors. You can pick up the phone and call them, and they will help you, wow, which is that's cool. pretty cool. Yeah, very cool. And that software is, if I didn't say it already, last I checked, it was about $60. And I think it's good for one year. So after that year, if you don't get it done in that year, you got to pay again. Okay. So what is it like in Canada? So that's way, the way it is here in the United States. And... And also, I want to throw out there, that, so Glime is what I used. You can also use King Schools. Everybody in aviation pretty much knows who John and Martha King are. Yes. They have a video series 
that will prepare you for the for any written test uh, on the pilot side, mechanic side also. And they have videos explaining the written test question and the answer for every different subject area. Well, it's it's similar, Tim. Um, in Canada, we have uh, obviously you know a, a number of written tests that you need to complete. The very first one that you need to do is something called a P star, and basically that's a student pilot permit. So be, before you can go solo, and a, like a lot of people procrastinate doing this, is they don't write the P star, and then they can't go when they're ready. When they're when they're, uh, their their uh, instructor thinks they're ready to go which is usually, you know, kind of a secret. Um, you know, you get thrown in the plane doing your regular training and all of a sudden today is the day you're going to do your tr your uh, solo, but you haven't done your written. You've got to, you know, get that done. So the first one is called the student pilot permit. And that allows, it's kind of the gateway. It, it allows you to look at areas such as Canadian aviation regulations, air traffic control clearances and instructions. Um, and on and on and on. Typically, um, there's there there's there's not a lot of information that you can get about any of these exams, and people will you know keep their old exams and then trade them and that kind of thing, which is not a good thing to do. Um, so there now, just like in the U.S., there's many different i'm just looking online here there's pilot exam canada pilot exams vip pilot inrat um, exam prep so there's many different things that you can do where you can pay to uh, look at an online software but the way it works is each whether it be private pilot commercial whatever it is there's an exam guide and it shows you a section in the regulations that you need to go to and kind of research the minutia that's in there and really understand, you know, what, you know, what is um, special VFR regulations, for example, like how does that apply to me as a, as a student pilot, a private pilot or whatever it may be. So exam prep software is available if you just go check it out. And, um, you know, here for an example, you know, there's the, the Transport Canada website itself. It's got a whole bunch of great information in there. So the, what they do is they do a, a statistical analysis over a 12-month period, and they have a look at what the weak exam areas are. So, for example, I picked out uh, for a private pilot license and things like aircraft engines and airframes, a weak area was reciprocating engines and induction icing, believe it or not, Tim. Never we still talk about that. that. Yeah, I never would have guessed yeah, that. We that's still talk about that. That's something that's very important, especially in a cold weather climate like Canada. Yeah. I mean, we all assume that we've got these uh, really awesome, you know, fuel injected engines and all that stuff. But believe it or not, these Cessnas still have carb heat on some of them and we still fly them up here. We do so too. You, so you need to know about them, right? Right. Uh, theory of flight, always a favorite. Uh, forces in a turn, angle of attack, those areas are, you know, a problem. Radio navigation. This is a surprising one, Tim. GPS and the principles of operation. Um, that, that's a, a, an area that's weak. Another one here is uh, meteorology, the theory of it. Um, evaporation cooling and Virga, for example. Um, you know, again, we're talking nitty gritty stuff, but these are you know, important exam questions and, 
you know, you got to get into the, 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 you know, the, the depth of the question. So another one, Tim, is theory of flight, uh, forces in a turn, angle of attack. Really, you know, you may think of that, well, that's not a big deal, but there's a lot to think about there, a lot to unpack. So whether you go and talk to your flight instructor or, you know, through, um, you know, Glime or whoever it may be, you need to know the, the, the in-depth information about what are the forces in a turn? How does that affect the flight? That yeah, kind and of that, thing. That's true also. And the ones, I, I don't want to say anybody's name or a company name that, that does a written test where they memorize mm-hmm. the answers. I've seen them. I've seen them online. I've seen people talk about them and I, I do not like them. You have to learn the information regardless. Yeah. Why memorize just the answer? You're going to have to know it for a check ride. You will be asked this stuff. You can't just memorize the answer absolutely i say don't even waste the time on those types of training uh software i would just do one that because anything in aviation it's going to take it's going to take work nothing is easy nothing is oh i can just pick up this book and read it once and be done that's not the case or i can just learn this maneuver one time and be good to go that's not the case either it just doesn't happen so with written tests Mm mm-hmm Say I'm a pilot in Canada. I want to take a written test. Is there a minimum age? There is, and it depends on the... I'll have to look it up, Tim. But okay. there's... D- dependent on the exam, uh, you're going to have to prove your age. Yeah. So if you're private, commercial, that kind of thing. It changes. In it. it. Here, <clears> there <throat> are minimum ages on taking a written test. To be a private pilot, you have to be 17 minimum the written test is good for two years guess how old you have to be to take a private pilot written test 15 Mm. so there are there are limitations on ages to take it which isn't a big deal because most 15 year olds even then aren't going to be taking a written test there's some out there that do but for the most part they're going to be doing it when they're probably a little closer to uh, 17 so in Canada, private pilot license is 17, um, and commercial is 18. And that is that to get the rating or the written that's test? To get, that's to get the rating. Okay. The written test, I have to look up. <laughs> yeah, because I'm curious how long the written test is good for up there. Here it's good for two years, 24 so the, months. So the student pilot permit, the very first one I was talking about, you can write that at age 14. So that's okay. for so that's for solo flight, and then um, and how old do you have to be to solo in Canada? Here you have to be sixteen. Sixteen. Okay, so it's the same. Yeah. Let's take a quick break from talking about written tests and talk about airplane buying tips with Ryan McGill. Gill Aviation here, and this is your if you're buying a plane tip of the week. This week we're talking escrow. We all know banker, accountant, attorney. The pivotal trifecta of making sure that you're financially protected well, let's throw escrow into that group. They're going to make sure that there are no liens on that plane. They're going to make sure the paperwork is filed correctly. If there's any issues down the road, they have your back. And trust me, registration right now is a nightmare. And having somebody that's your advocate is a huge deal. Use escrow every single time. It's the best money spent when closing on a plane. For more information like this, you can find me at McGill Aviation on Instagram and TikTok. 
I guess what we're trying to say is there's a lot of resources for people that are going to write exams, whether you're going to be doing them online preparation, you're going to be sitting down like some people don't study well, actually, you know, doing stuff online. They want one on one. And and that's one thing I did as a flight instructor, specifically for the instrument stuff. I had students, some of them were, you know, a little bit older students that wanted one-on-one -on -one training. They didn't want to do the online stuff that just, not, that's not how they learn. So there's many different ways of doing it. Uh, but the most modern way, uh, probably the most efficient is doing things like, you know, using exam prep software. Some of them are better than others. Some of them are more expensive. And some of them uh, have video. Yeah, and we're not going to get into, you know, which one you should check out kind of thing. There's so many. but Yeah, and it's going to be different from person to person. Like you were alluding to, everybody learns in different ways. Some people are better at reading. Some people are visual learners. It, it's going to be different from person to person. But you just have to look around, do a Google search, and figure out which one is best for you. Yeah, exactly. And they will take time. No matter what, they will take time. Um, just looking here, we have another one in Canada called, so we the first one is called recreational pilot. Um, it's, it's so, I think you have the same thing. Maybe we do. We have We're, a sport pilot and okay. recreational pilot and then private pilot. Okay. I, I don't think we have that. I know we have the recreational and then the private pilot commercial, and then we eventually get to the airline transport pilot rating and that is a very tricky exam, Tim. Yes. Um, it's written into two different sections in Canada. The first one's called the Sauron. And, uh, you know, that's a, a, a big one. So that's basically going to be air law, procedures, that kind of thing. Um, aerodromes, personal licensing, airworthiness, flight rules. And each section... We're going into things like fuel dumping, supersonic flight, transoceanic flight, very, very deep, deep information. And it should be. It's for your airline transport pilot license. Yeah. And weight and um, balance, probably lots of weight and balance questions. Oh, yeah. I'm sure. Manual weight and balance questions. Yeah. Favorite for airliners, one is a, usually. Yeah. And well, oh, yeah. They, they'll pick something like, a, you know, a DC-9 and, uh -huh. uh, you know, like. There's not too many DC-9s flying around anymore, Tim, I don't think. There are but, not. Uh, but, There's uh, a few, but not a lot. We seem to have a lot of exam questions about them for some reason. We do too. <laughs> and I have my uh, aircraft dispatcher license as well, oh, which cool. is the ATP written, but way, way more weight and balance and loading questions. And I'll just come out and say I hated it. I did not like those. And they were on the DC-9, I think the 727. I bet you that our test questions are probably the same. Probably one person wrote it and Canada said, I'll use that one. And the U.S. said, well, we'll use it. We'll use that guy too. We'll probably, use the yeah. same questions. So there's the, the there's the uh, Sauron and Samra exam. And um, I think we looked this up, Tim. I think it's $150 Canadian to write an exam at a flying school. Pretty typical. Um, you're going to be in a room without, you know, any anything around you uh, maybe a pencil maybe a piece of paper that's about it and there'll be a computer and it'll be a computer to take the test on yeah but you and can't take your phone with you anything no, nothing like, when i've done writtens i have a little leather pouch that the uh, e6b flight computer goes into 
And it has right. the little original booklet. They take all that. You can have E6B, and you can have a plotter, and I think you can have a basic. You can have a basic calculator. I don't remember if they supplied that or not. I think you can take your own, but it can't be anything that you can store information into. And if it is, they will clear it. Yeah, they'll, let they'll you take, take it, the batteries clear it out. out. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. But you can't take your phone. None of that stuff. They'll keep, let you have you put it in a, a cabinet or. And they'll lock it. But yeah, yeah it's just it's you with a pencil and a piece of paper, a calculator and plotter and E6B. And and you're gonna be, you know, in in a room for, you know, three and a half hours or whatever the time limit is. And um, you know, you're you'll be monitored, that kind of thing. And so you need to do your homework. And uh, is there anything more you want to add? Just go in, take your time. Most of the written tests will give you and it depending on what you're taking, anywhere from approximately two and a half to three and a half hours to take it, uh, depending on what you're taking. Take your time. If there's something you don't know, mark it, go back, check it later, because the answer might come to you in a later question. But never feel rushed. For the most part, whenever I took a written, usually I'm in and out of there in under an hour. If, okay. if you study and know your stuff, you're not going to be pressed for time at all. I just wanted to clarify something here. Yeah. So in Canada, uh, your private pilot license program, it's a minimum of 45 hours of, uh, of flight training, and it's broken down into 17 hours of dual time, uh, which is three hours of cross-country, five hours of instrument time, um, and then there's 12 hours of solo. So before you get on that solo train, you got to have that P-STAR written, which is what we talked about. And um, and then there's some more cross country time. Uh, the minimum age for a private pilot license to be licensed in Canada is 17. I'm not sure what I said before there. It was you said 17, 16 to solo, 17 to get the license. Well, it's, yeah. it's the same in the United States. There you go. So uh, and then if you look at the exam side of things, um, you write you know wherever you can write the exam. It's 60 percent minimum in four different sections. And, um, and then you also have a requirement in Canada to do what they call an oral English proficiency exam. And uh, that's, that's added to your license, basically. What did you say? You only have to get a 60 to pass? 60%, man. Six. Wow. <laughs> School, that's not very good. That's a, that's a D. Yeah. Here, so let, you have to get a 70 to pass. No, but if you go into it with the attitude that you want to do well and you put time and effort into it, you're going to get way better than that. And if you do the, like how I illustrated earlier, how I went through all the test questions and then did 10 practice tests, if you do it that way, you're going to, you're going to get into the 80s or 90s easily. But I, I have heard cases of uh, students getting 100s on their written tests, which mm. is great. But if you do that, I'm not saying this is good or bad. I'm staying neutral. But if you get 100 on your written, you set the bar really high for your oral. Because you have to take that to your check ride and give it to the examiner that, oh. you, that you pass the written. And I, at my previous job, when I flight instructed, we had, had a designated pilot examiner on the field. And she actually taught me to fly. But this person came in with a 100% on their written test, but they did not know airspace. They failed. Oh. 
because oh, wow. they got a hundred, but they didn't know airspace. It was clear that they memorized the answers and had oh, no yes. practical knowledge whatsoever. But if you get a hundred and you don't know air, if you're being asked questions on airspace and you don't know it, that's going to raise a red flag. So I'm not saying get a 60 and not know airspace or a 70 and not know airspace. Right. But I'm just saying, just do your best. It either, either, either situation, do your best. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and one other thing I wanted to hit on. Yeah. So you said the private, the uh, test, the written test fee is $150 in Canada. Mm-hmm. Here in the United States, it used to be easier to go take your test. I think when I did mine, I think they were $60. This would have been back in the mid-90s and late okay. 90s. And I'm sure the prices have went up after that. But recently, to take a written test, they're all $175. You have to go to faa.psiexam.com. It's not the FAA. PSI, basically, the FAA contracted them out to administer... Uh, the test, uh, they have an approved testing location. You can go on that website. From there, you, have, you can type in your zip code and figure out where the nearest testing center is. You can schedule on there. You do everything through that website. But they have information about the test, like how many questions, uh, the code you need to take the test. Like There's a code for like private pilot airplane might be PPA. And that'll right. tell you which test... To, when you sign up for the test and the time, that's how you know which one to click on. So you pretty much have to do it all yourself. But but yeah, that's one thing that I, when I did this instrument ground instructor written, I was shocked at how much it cost to take a written test. $175 to take a test that I was in and out in 35 minutes. Well, the thing is, way back when I was writing my exams, which started back in 1989, believe it or not, all of that was done at Transport Canada facilities. I know for my first exam that I wrote, which was for the glider pilot license way, way back, back in 89, Transport Canada actually came out to our facility uh, at, our, at our gliding training area because we had so many cadets there um, and then administered the test there. But normally up until very, very recently, you had to go into a Transport Canada facility and write your exam and I still think you have to do that for your airline transport pilot licenses your SAMRA and your SARON exams because they want them they want them to be done in a certain environment and right. uh, but everything else like your, all of your uh, your P-STAR and your your private pilot license with your PPAER exam all of those have to be done or can be done at, at a school. So I did, yeah, I just looked it up here. So the PPAER is 100 questions. It's a three hour time limit and the pass mark is 60%. Okay. Yeah, it's six, here it's 60 questions and you have to get a 70. I think okay. every written test, you have to get a 70 or greater to pass. And believe it or not, my private pilot written, all I did was they had all the test questions in a book. I went through and just each question did the answer, marked the correct answer. I went through that two or three times mm-hmm. and I went and took the test. I got a 70. Like I barely squeaked by. But after that, I used Glime for instrument through ATP, CFI, aircraft dispatcher, instrument ground instructor, all that. Mm-hmm. And just using those and using my method, I, was, I got in the 80s and 90s on everything. 
Well, the the one thing I think I do remember is like I actually just looked up the commercial one in Canada. It's actually a hundred questions, three and a half hours, and sixty percent. But the, it you have to get sixty percent in each of the four mandatory subject areas. So dependent oh. on so it's 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 not just sixty percent pass mark. You have to achieve sixty percent. Yeah, as so when the sections being air law, navigation, meteorology, aeronautics, okay. and general knowledge, right? So if you mess up one of those, do you fail the whole test and have to redo I, the whole thing and have to get a sixty in each section again, or just do that part? I think you just do that part. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure you just do that part. Yeah, because ours is you just you just have to redo it. And then if you fail, you have to take the the written test showing your uh, failed results. Take that back with you to the testing center, I believe, and then get it, have a sign off from an instructor and go do it again. So it says here, applicants who obtain 60% or more of the overall, overall exam but fail one or more mandatory subjects will be assessed on a partial pass. And then it says during one sitting, they'll be required to write supplementary examinations for each subject area failed. As you can see, ladies and gentlemen, there's differences between Canada and the United States, and I'm sure in the country that you are in as well. Uh, if we start talking about European exams, we'll be here all day. Um, that's, uh, that's, a, that's a pretty big subject over there. Yeah, and I have sure. heard from people I've talked to in Europe that are getting pilot licenses. And I believe over there, it's a little bit different than ours. They might have seven or eight different written tests with 20 questions each on each subject area. Okay. So you might have one on just navigation, and then you take that 20-question test. Then you have one on um, aerodynamics and so on, versus ours are pretty much just thrown in one test, go take it, you're done. That's right. the way I understand it. Obviously, I've never taken a written test over there, but that's just what I've heard from from those that are in flight training in uh, some various places around Europe. It's now time for an ATC tip, but this one is one of my own and not from an actual air traffic controller. Talking to ATC initially can be very challenging for a newly certificated pilot. Bypassing airspace to avoid talking to air traffic control is tempting, but doing so will never improve a pilot's radio skills or help with overcoming the fear that can come with talking to air traffic control. Air traffic control should not be feared. Jump in feet first, request flight following when you can, fly into a nearby tower to airport and possibly call ahead and see if the tower gives tours. Talking to ATC does get easier with practice and it can actually make your flying safer and easier by utilizing ATC services. This has been an ATC tip by a pilot that once also had a fear of talking to ATC. So one other thing I want to hit on, mm -hmm. and no pun intended, you'll, you'll get it when I say it, but I did share this story with you a few days ago. There's an airline pilot that was done with work, leaving the parking lot, and there was a gate that was down, and it would not move. He was about four or five cars back in line, so he went and got, he had an ax in his trunk. So he took the ax out of his trunk, and chopped down the gate and to get out of the, the parking <laughs> yeah, area. I remember seeing the video. Not, yeah, <laughs> the video is just kind of unreal, seeing this guy yeah. whacking at this gate. And yeah. the pilot, correct me if I'm wrong, the pilot was relieved from his duty temporarily, and I think he has to undergo an evaluation or something, but he's 63 years old, and 
He basically got in trouble for taking out an axe. I, I have questions. First, why is he carrying an axe in his trunk? I mean, who, <laughs> who, when's the last time you drove to work and said, you know what, I got to go back. I forgot my axe. Uh, no, no. <laughs> and who's chopping down either. trees? He could be chopping down trees after he gets done with the trip. I don't he know. Could be. He could be. But there's always a better way to handle it. If you have to break something or hurt someone or get into a situation where you have a, a verbal or physical altercation, don't progress. Don't go forward. Just go the other way. Take a time out. Say, what's another way I can fix this besides chopping it down with an axe? Yeah. Um, but the other thing is, the guy's 63 years old. I don't think he cares. I just, uh, I mean, if you're 63 flying for the air and you've been in the airlines that long, you're probably pretty close to retirement. If you go through anything, are you going to say, uh, whatever, I'm just going to go chop the thing down. I'm retiring anyway. And if something comes up, uh, I'll just go and retire. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. That's a pretty bad day to be grabbing an ax out of your trunk and, uh, you know, getting caught on video and, I mean, the whole world's on video now. The whole world has seen this now. I mean, it's just, it's pretty bad. And the thing is, um, you know, as pilots, you got to do everything you can to stay physically fit, to be mentally prepared, all those things. And if you're having a bad day, don't grab an axe. If you're having a bad day and you have an axe, just take it out of your car before you leave home. (laughs) Yeah, please do that. Very, very important. (laughs) Hatchets also. Nothing yeah. with a sharp blade. No. <laughs> but yeah, I saw that and I just, that kind of blew my mind. Like, why on earth would anybody do that? Because, you know, everybody knows that that parking lot, there's cameras everywhere. And oh, you yeah. can't do anything nowadays without somebody recording it. I mean, we've all got cameras on the front of our houses, on doorbells and just security cameras. I've got three on my house alone. <laughs> I mean, this guy is a very, you know, this this guy is you know a little bit older and he is a very accomplished pilot he flies 767s and 757s and then the sheriff just said tim he just said he just hit his breaking point yeah but how is your he did say that and they they did let him go i believe didn't they I I think they did. Um, he was waiting in line of six. I think there were six different cars waiting yeah. to get out of this gate, which was not cooperative. And I, yeah, I, I'm pretty sure he was arrested. And and then they they let him go. But yeah, now his employer and everybody else is involved. And yeah, it's going to be kind of a hard one to explain. That's for sure. Yeah, and there's people talking about uh, mental health. Like, was his mental health where it should have been? And I think it's, I mean, I think people throw that around a lot, but I think he was just frustrated is all it was. And it just, he got mad. Yeah, really mad. Enough's enough. Yeah. (laughs) Really, really mad. Enough that he thought to himself, I'm really glad I left that axe in the trunk today. Hey, Tim, I know that our podcast is starting to grow and... Thank you very, very much for everybody who has uh, subscribed to the podcast. We greatly appreciate it. But we want to grow it even more. How, how do we do that? One way to help is if you enjoy the podcast, share it with a friend, post it on message boards, websites, any place where you think 
the information coming out of our mouths might be helpful to somebody. Send it to them. Yeah, and it's just going to, I mean, hopefully the information that we give is, you know, pertinent to you, whether it be if you're, you know, real life pilot, you're a sim pilot, and, you know, there's, there's, we're just trying to share the wealth of knowledge, if you will, about corporate flying and, and aviation and our experience. So please tell us, um, you know, if you want to know more about something that we've talked about, please drop us a line. And where, where can they reach us, Tim? Well, they can reach us through email at the corporate pilot guys podcast at gmail.com. There's also the speak pipe link, which they can leave a voice message. Um, and just to reiterate what you said, we are trying to tell new pilots who are coming up through the ranks the things that nobody told us. Exactly. by sharing our experiences with them. And we do this podcast. It costs money out of our own pocket to do it, and we make nothing from it. So it is helpful when when somebody shares it and we see the followers on Spotify tick up and just seeing the overall plays um, increase. So it, it, it does help. It, it is a lot of work. Um, the average podcast, this one is going to be probably about 40 minutes, but we've been at this for an hour and a half and then the editing on top of it I'll probably spend an hour and a half to two hours just editing so it is it does take time it's basically it's just it's it's us volunteering our time and we, but we want to make a podcast that people enjoy and that that more people will listen to so that's why it's important to us to share the podcast with others if you like it share it with a friend or two that may enjoy it and make it something out of it and if there's a topic that they see or don't see let us know if there's something yeah. that somebody says, hey, I, I want to know more about this. It's not you guys haven't covered it yet. Suggest it. We'll look at it and more than likely we'll cover it. So with that being said, I want to thank everybody for listening to this episode of the Corporate Pilot Guys podcast. And as always, if you have questions, comments, be sure to respond at the sources we gave just minutes ago. And we'll catch you on the next episode. Be all very soon. Take care. <laughs>